Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be talking about the wonderful film Living. We are joined today by director Oliver Hermanis and cast members Bill Nighy and Amy Lou Wood, along with screenwriter Kazuo Ishiguro. And, and Kazuo, I wanted to start with, with a question for you in terms of the way that you've written this script, because it feels like with the central character of Williams that in the dialogue of the film, what isn't said is just as vital as the words that are ever expressed out loud. And there's so many subtleties and nuances in the way that this story has been told. And so I was interested in, in how that shaped the way that you approached writing a script where there's a lot of quiet quietness and stoicness within the central character well I'm, I'm i'm kind of used to that because that you know i spent many years writing novels like that but um i, I when i was writing the screenplay i already knew that this was a bill nye project in fact the, you know the idea was to build the whole thing around bill nye so that, that helped a great deal i could i could see in my in my mind as i wrote every line as i you know figured out how the character would turn or look down I, I could see bill in my mind so actually i realized that you know you didn't need to actually be explicit about many things um you know i had this i had this knowledge that i had an actor here who could express all kinds of things in the most subtle ways and and this is this is the great thing about cinema isn't it i mean you you don't, you don't have to be explicit um the face the, the the human face can can express so much and you know you, you have a a, a fantastic director like Oliver, you know that all kinds of things will be communicated emotionally without without things being explicit in the in the script. So I, I love work. I love to work like that. I, I love hearing that as well. And and Oliver, in in directing the film, um, there's there's really beautiful cinematography and framing to the story that you've worked on with Jamie Ramsey, who is your cinematographer. Um, and I I wanted to ask about the way in which you kind of decide what to let the audience in on. You know, when he is first sitting in his home with his son and his daughter-in-law, we don't even see their faces in frame fully. And there's moments where the disconnect that his character has with people around him is reflected in the fact that we as audience members don't get to connect. And see those characters until later on in the film when they come closer into the frame. And so, how did you set about creating that visual language for the film based around the central character and his connection to others? Um, well, interestingly, this is a film that starts uh, with another character, um, Alex Sharp plays Peter uh, wonderfully. Um, and so, it's an interesting dynamic to have a movie start with a particular character, and then you, you know, you, you sort of get introduced to the main character quite. Uh, quite casually, almost sort of quite quite mis mysteriously, which was really great. Um, and then you you know that you know it's it's Bill Nice. You know this movie is about about Bill, so you're sort of wondering when you're going to get to know him a bit better. Uh, and then he goes into his office, and we cut him up. You know, he hiding him behind paperwork in this very messy office. Um, it was very much about building this character out of the idea that there's there's a there's a man who is hiding. And as the story unfolds, we get to see him visually more and more, and 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 sort of bring him out from from the background. Uh, and so those were those were the ways that I thought about it. Uh, that scene with his family, where they come to the door, very much designed around a camera, a piece of camera work that allowed us to hide him literally in the dark, and then have the lights come on, and and there he is, and he's he's overheard things that that you know emotionally affect him, but he's he's incapable of saying so. 
And, and Bill, it's it's such a beautiful performance in the movie because it's so subtle and so nuanced and, and there's such a quiet stillness to this character and even just the movements, you know, mannerisms of him are very, very slight, but the smallest action or the smallest word that he says out loud can mean so much throughout the film. And I was interested in in how you found that window into, into playing him in that way where it almost feels like the tone of his voice when he talks is even just a little bit quieter than everyone else in the room around him. Um, I'm not. I, I, uh, thank you. I can't quite remember how how I arrived at anything really, but I, uh, I I suppose I Oliver and I had gone through the script uh, minutely together, and uh, and the script was so brilliant and so beautiful. And good, great writing does persuade you into certain behaviour. It just does. It's just you kind of without any great thought, you are you're guided um, into, uh, you know, into, you know, uh, into how to act it. And, uh, and this was, this is, you know, it's, it's great, great writing. And I was, I think I instinctively knew, I've just felt that vocally, for instance, he would be, he would be as restrained as is possible with, you know, without becoming, you know, indistinct. Um, and that he would be that would be a good way to indicate his reluctance to engage with anything. I think he's a you know, I always try to remember that he's he's in, I feel he's institutionalized in grief because he lost his wife very early on and it's and he's formed a kind of uh, you know a kind of cult. He's in a cult of one, and everything is in relation to that. Uh, and that would involve a great deal, I suppose, of a great deal of anger. And, and an enormous, enormous amount of grief, and um, and his reluctance, his sort of uh, even to engage, you know, vocally, uh, was it was a good way of indicating that. I mean, I did think that as soon as I spoke the first few lines that in a minute the sound man would come up and say, "Please, Bill, come on, uh, we can't do this for six weeks or whatever." Yeah. But uh, but it never happened. So I was very, I just kept going. I love that. And and Amy, there's a moment with Margaret where she's with Bill Nye's character, Williams. And, you know, in essence, he's telling her, I, I have become infatuated with you, but it's not as people may suppose. It's, it's her energy and her light and her connectivity to the world. And then in return, she talks about how she's nobody special in the world, that she's just completely ordinary like everybody else. And I thought that was such a heartbreaking sentiment for your character. And when when you're reading the script and you come across a scene and a descriptor like that of how she views herself against the way that other people are seeing this light and this energy, um, what did that tell you about the character and how did that give you a pathway into finding so many other aspects of her? I think it's extremely human. I think that the people who see us and love us see us as so much bigger and better and, you know, than, than we see ourselves. So I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's just very, very true, you know, very, very, as the whole story is, it's just very honest. And I think that she is quite taken aback by the fact that this person sees her as so much more spectacular than she could ever see herself. But that is, I think that's just what, ha I think that happens so often in life is, you know, they both see themselves as totally, totally ordinary and totally just, you know, like everyone else. But it's, it's through connection that we 
feel special. It's the the connection between the two of them is kind of the really special thing that in turn makes them both feel more special. But um, yeah, I think that she is also quite fine with being ordinary. And, and, and I think that I love that about her. I think she's very, you know, she's happy to leave a job that's maybe more, slightly seen as more respectable to go to another one that she might have a better time doing, even though it might, you know, I think she's just happy being very much herself and, and 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 if that's ordinary, she's fine with it as long as she's having a nice time. And I think that's what Mr. Williams sees in her and finds so inspiring is that, yeah, and, and also that is quite extraordinary, you know, because so many people are so concerned with how they're being received and perceived more so than how they're actually feeling. Whereas Margaret is more concerned with how she feels than how she's being perceived which I do think is quite an extraordinary quality for a person to have it is and 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 Kazuo and coming back to you you know William's going through all of this he doesn't suddenly become this completely extroverted character and the loudest person in the room and and the center of every party you know it's it's these very subtle changes in in what creates such a strong connection for him to the world around him in a way that he hasn't experienced for so many years um you know because of what Bill was saying about him just being trapped in the space of grief and so when you were were creating the narrative arc and and the central flow of this character how did you find the subtleties in what it looks like for a character like him to come out of his shell because it is those smaller, minute versions of what it looks like. Well, this is what really um, appealed to me about the original uh, Kira Kurosawa movie on which this this movie is based. Um, but we have you know a number of substantial di- changes, but that that I think is is what one of the central things that survived. Mm-hmm. The, the, it, this isn't quite the Christmas Carol kind of story you know where somebody just has a uh, a miraculous kind of conversion overnight into somebody else altogether uh and or you know he he solves the problem about being an empty lifeless person by just becoming somebody else altogether i mean that's a marvelous kind of a myth aspirational kind of myth but in reality it's it's not going to happen to most people you know Mm -hmm. and what really appeals to me about about art you know the message in our movie and the message in the original movie is basically it's saying that you can do something with the with the life that you you actually have you know the this is the this is the maybe this is the hand that life has dealt you and you can't really do very much about it particularly at the late stage in your life you're not going to change very much the circumstances surrounding you are not going to change very much but nevertheless if you make some kind of supreme effort just within that tiny space that you do occupy in in a kind of humble kind of way you could transform everything and that will make all the difference between an empty shallow life and one that is magnificent and full, and and I think I think that that that's the I think that that that's the kind of essence of this movie, um, and that that's what really appealed to me about this story. Yes, and so so it's very important that you know that the Williams character doesn't suddenly change. You know, and you know I think I think Bill expresses this wonderfully. The the, the changes are absolutely crucial, uh, but they're really small and nuanced. 
And and Bill, as, as you were going through the script, essentially as your roadmap for those small and nuanced changes, you know, based on what you were talking about and how you how you kind of centralized the character before and, and a lot of that stillness, how did you find those little mannerisms or those little ways that, you know, for him, he's suddenly becoming this hugely expressive character, but in this way that's still very quiet and almost unnoticeable to others, because even after he passes in the film, all the other characters are having a dialogue about, do you think he even knew because they're not sure based on the fact that they did see some changes but it wasn't this overnight shift um well again i'm sorry to be i can't really remember and i don't know what the mannerisms were and i don't you know what i mean but i but i i know that i i uh i had i was i um what's the what's the word language for that uh i i knew there was a there was an atmosphere i could i could uh access and in which uh, I kind of knew what he, how he might respond at any given point. You know, I just plugged into whatever it was, the idea that I had of him, and uh, and 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 it was cumulative. You know, and each time we did a scene, that would inform the next and the next and the next, even though we didn't do it chronologically, obviously. But in my head, I had the story pretty uh, plain, um, and. Uh, you know, and, and that's when it became, and it also, it's very, it's fun, you know, you know, that, that this man who has, you know, even though it's, it's not visible, the change, you know, and, and as, as Ish says, you know, the, the changes aren't going to be <clears throat> drastic or dramatic, but they are changes. And, uh, and it was fun to, uh, to navigate all of that and to schedule that information. And that's just, I've just resorted to language because I couldn't know what else to say. But, you know, <laughs> I think you might know what I'm. I don't know. I hope so. I, I do. It's it's wonderful. And 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 Oliver, you know, one of the things I also love in the the framing of the film is is that you know it's it's set within this period space, but there's such a specificity with the way that you're bringing us in on some of the really minute details of of things in frames. You know, I even think about when the two of them are at the arcade and they're playing the claw grab machine, and there's a close up of the the you know the kind of metal. Thing that she has to open in order to retrieve her prize and so you're really bringing us into a lot of the the specific details on certain props and certain details but it's also that's an object at the center of a scene that really connects something in the two of them and so when you would make those choices how was it always character driven for you uh well those particular arcade machines when they arrived because we went and looked at them for a few weeks before we started shooting and i just was like overwhelmed because there were so many of them to choose from and they were all like, they were all working and there was a very eccentric man who owned all of them and he was really interesting and strange. Um, and he allowed us to put some coins in and I had to make the choice of which one of them, because we, we have to have two different machines. Uh, one at, in our Brighton sequence where Bull is trying to catch the rabbit. And then there's one in London where, you know, where he tries again and Amy's the only one, Margaret is the only one who seems to be able to nail it. Um, and uh, those were just those kinds of things, those textual details where, it felt natural for me to to want to push the camera closer to them, uh, but there were many different things that I really enjoyed working with the architecture of London on this in this movie. I would you know different places that we shot. I really loved the idea of being able to kind of detail them uh, and frame them in and, and tell the story from the from the point of view of the city of London as well. Um, but I will say back to the arcade game. I was impressed at how Amy Lewood was able to catch that rabbit multiple times. <laughs> Thank you. What can I say? 
And and Amy, I wanted to ask you about the the scene in the moment for you, where in essence Williams is is in you know confiding in her and talking about I haven't always moved through the world in this way, but slowly by time this is how I became, and and this is how I kind of ended up closed off from people around me, you know. And they they even talk about the nickname that she'd given him, Mister Zombie, and and he agrees that that that's an apt thing. And it's such a beautiful scene for for your performance and your character because she's really just creating the space for him and listening to him and not trying to interject at any moment. Um, and so what what was the dynamic for you and in going into a scene like that where it's less about her exposition and more just about what she's receiving what she's taking in and the space that she's making for him yeah I think that is such a beautiful scene and when I when I first read it I was sobbing so that it was just you know and I, I find because I think it's one of the kindest things someone can do is just let someone speak and just kind of hold them in that space and just not come in with any of their own stuff. And I think that moment really kind of conveyed to me the depth of Margaret's kindness as well. Um, that she she really just does, yeah. Like, and and I, I was saying just before, it was one of the best like days filming ever. I mean, mixed because I was had a headache at the end of the day from crying so much, but it was you know, it was just amazing to to watch Bill bring that to life. And, you know, I, I, when I first, like I say, when I first read it, I just couldn't wait to see him do it. I was like, oh my God, I can't wait, can't wait. Um, and also the, the, the kind of atmosphere that Oliver created as well on that day was just so perfect. It was just so, so intimate and it was so focused. And so that whole, yeah, it really lent itself to the scene and, Obviously, Ish's words were just absolutely heartbreaking. So it was a combo of the three of them. Well, it, it's it's such a beautiful film, and I, I really love the the delicacy in which you've all approached the way in which you've told the story. So thank you so much for your time today and talking about it. I so appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you.